This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. I want you to get mad. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Test, 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 test. Am I coming through? Excellent. Excellent. I say hello to a different back in the studio. Welcome to the broadcast for Sunday, July 10th, 2011. And I'm coming to you live from, well, somewhere in the Smoky Mountains of North Carolina. I wish I could be more precise, but we rolled into our hotel. It was a little foggy. I'm a little foggy. Uh, what a what a road trip it has been. Um, next door uh, is my uh, director, Jalal, and uh, two crew members. Uh, they've been so kind as to give me my own room tonight, uh, but normally I'm, uh, I'm bunking with uh, uh, one of the cameramen, JJ. You know, the last time we tried this, I think I was in Grants Pass, Oregon, and uh, we, uh, we had to pull off the road because, again, because of the fog. Uh, rush into a hotel, get the internet connection up. It was a little tenuous, and one of the cameramen, our cameraman from Bollywood, Shiresh, was snoring, and I was trying to cuff my hands around the the microphone. Uh, Griffin, I don't think you were with me then. No, it was uh, Dan Ellison, but people were actually calling into the radio station, emailing, uh, saying, what's going on? Uh, they just heard this snoring. It was the the snore heard round the world. Uh, you won't hear any snoring tonight, that's for sure. We've got an exciting show, but you might hear the odd uh, semi, uh, uh, the odd transport truck whizzing by out there on Interstate 40. What a beautiful drive through the Smoky Mountains, if you ever get a chance. Wow. I don't advise doing it at night when you've only had one cup of coffee all day. Uh, but uh, if you do get a chance. So uh, we are on our way. I say we, the, uh, the TV crew, the Conspiracy Show television program. Our, our uh, crew is heading to Charlotte, North Carolina, tomorrow for um, a series of interviews. We just uh, rolled out of Nashville this afternoon where I, uh, I finally got to meet our Gary Patterson face-to-face. I've known Gary over the phone for the last 10 years. He's our uh, rock and roll investigator, and we are working on an episode. We, uh, we met outside the historic RCA Victor recording studio in Nashville. And I had a, had a great visit with him. Uh, prior to that, I was in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, interviewing 
uh, Brooks Agnew, the great explorer uh, Brooks Agnew, who is getting ready to uh, to launch an expedition up to the uh, the frigid uh, rough seas of the Arctic Ocean off the North Pole. He's looking for a passage to the interior of the Earth. I kid you not. So um, one of our episodes, I've just given it away for season two of The Conspiracy Show, will be about the hollow Earth theory. In fact, when I, uh, I roll into uh, Charlotte tomorrow, we'll be speaking with uh, Robin Lamb about the same. And she's uh, the CEO of the Phoenix Science Foundation. So... Uh, who else? Oh, I was in Florida, landed in Tampa on Wednesday, spoke to a couple of uh, gentlemen about Bible codes. Some really mind-blowing stuff, i got to tell you. And uh, after Charlotte, we head on into Washington, D.C., then on into Philadelphia. I'll be uh, speaking with uh, David Jacobs, of course, the alien abduction researcher, uh, another crop circle researcher, Jennifer Stein. Then, time permitting, we're going to hit New York City, and I'll be uh, speaking with William Francis Pepper, uh, an attorney, and uh, he is representing his his uh, most high profile client is Sirhan Sirhan. We're doing an episode on whether Sirhan Sirhan was in fact a Manchurian candidate, and uh, William Francis Pepper certainly seems to think so, and some other researchers do as well. So uh, that's uh, that's our whirlwind tour. Now let me give you the whirlwind tour that's coming up over the next two hours at um, midnight. Gordon Finn, a.k.a. the No BS Guru, uh, will join us. And um, uh, Gordon is a student of uh, Eastern mysticism, I suppose, esoteric uh, knowledge. And um, he wears a lot of hats. He's an interesting uh, philosopher. Uh, but he also will show up in one of our uh, episodes on crop circles. He knows a lot about crop circles. He's a circle chaser from way back. And uh, he's also... A channeler, a channeler, and he will do some channeling live on the air at midnight. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator, has another investigation she'll share with us from the field, and uh, she'll check in just before uh, midnight. Uh, we're going to uh, take this on into a break, and then when we come back, we have a very interesting uh, fellow for you who is very well connected in the uh, intelligence, international intelligence game. Tom Hannigan uh, will join us to tell us what's going on uh, with Greece, what's the next domino to fall, were these meltdowns, economic meltdowns uh, engineered, and if so, by whom? We'll get into that with uh, Tom Hannigan and um, our media friend Nelson Thal, media scientist Nelson Thal will also weigh in. That's all part of the conspiracy show coming at you live from somewhere in the Smoky Mountains, North Carolina. My name is Richard Serrett. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. So are you to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. 
Hey, welcome back. Coming up a little later, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal researcher, will be along to tell us about her um, recent trip out to the James Gilliland Ranch. That's in the state of Washington. Uh, she was there this Friday and Saturday, and uh, that is uh, a place where a lot of people have uh, some rather interesting uh, encounters. Lots of UFO, ET, entity experiences. Rosemary Ellen Guiley will check in. Right now, however... Um, we're going to speak with Tom Hennigan, who is uh, an international intelligence e expert. He has hundreds of highly credible sources inside American and European intelligence agencies and Interpol. And uh, he uh, reports on what's really going on behind the scenes of what he calls the controlled mainstream media cover-up propaganda of ongoing massive deceptions and illusions will give you a website where you can follow his his intelligence dispatches. Tom Hennigan, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Well, I'm doing well, Richard. I want to thank you very much. Is Tom for there on tonight? Can you hear me? Not hearing Tom. All right. Let's can see if uh, if our uh, our media scientist friend Nelson Thal is there. Nelson, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Do you hear me? Okay. I can. I can. And uh, we're just looking for Tom Hennigan. Our international intelligence expert has gone. I, I think I hear him coming through. They've hacked my phone. There you are, Tom. Um, They've hacked your phone. Can you can you hear me now? There you are, my friend. Okay, this happens every now and then over the years. Lenny and uh, Nelson and I have for years <laughs> uh, um, then done programming and uh, going back to the old Cloak and Dagger days, and uh, he he can tell you about the. Uh, need for the New World Order elite to try to silence us, but uh, we do get around it, don't we, Nelson? Yes, over the years, uh, Sherman Skolnick um, uh, and Tom worked together, and Tom was really uh, fused with the Citizens Committee to clean up the courts as a terrific investigator, and quite often he'd have to uh, uh, look to mostly... Uh, Overseas foreign intelligence agencies to protect the lines, which they did. A well, great I'm going to I'm going to ask right now for our great ally, America, America's oldest ally, that is, of 200 years, the uh, French to come in, who I've been working with for a long time now, to protect these lines tonight from these people that are occupying the United States and are basically have looted it and trashed it, and uh, their their ultimate plan is to basically destroy it. Uh, well, then we, we thank our, uh, your, your friends in French intelligence for securing your lines, and uh, yeah. let's just hope we can keep it going uh, uh, for, this, for this segment. Tom, let, let, I want to uh, talk uh, about, about what's going on in Greece. That's a subject near and dear to my heart uh, because that is uh, the ancestral home of my bride, the mighty Aphrodite. And uh, I'm just wondering, to what extent was the economic collapse there uh, their own doing, in other words, you know, living too, too uh, high off the hog, uh, you know, generous pensions and, and retirement uh, uh, packages and so forth for civil servants, and how much of this perhaps was engineered by, oh, I don't know, uh, the IMF? Well, in my opinion, it was engineered by both, mainly by the U.S. Federal Reserve and by the uh, banking cabal here in the United States. Um, whether people retire at 53 or 63 is irrelevant. Uh, Greece, as is Ireland and soon to be Italy and Spain and Portugal, are, are victims of what we call a Ponzi scheme. Um, again, let me um, elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, in the late 90s and all through the period of uh, Bush, uh, 
I call them Bush frauds, uh, reign of power here in the United States, a financial instrument, instrument called mortgage-backed securities was developed. Uh, banks were totally deregulated, and they were able basically to bundle four or five mortgages together, uh, mark it up as a derivative, and put a price value or a, make it worth X amount of dollars, if you want to call it, and based on some, based on what it would be worth 30 years out, as long as the real estate market continued to grow, and it was marked up exponentially, and it's called the black swan concept of uh, marking up derivatives. You might have heard that term used on some of the financial stations in Canada and the United States. The black swan. Well, when I think of the black swan phenomena, that's just that's one of those things that you cannot. You cannot predict a black swan episode is something that you cannot foresee. Right. And, of course, the black swan was Lehman Brothers. When these derivatives are collapsed together and there is isn't liquidity in the system to mark them up again, you have what, you, what, we've, what we saw in two, September of 2008. Now, what they've done, basically, is they've created all these derivatives, Richard. Uh, they marked them up. And after the collapse in 08, they were all bailed out. A lot of this was tied to AIG. AIG had um, had, had actually uh, issued insurance policies so that if there was a collapse, they would be obliged to pay the um, pay the pay off the uh, the backside of the derivative. So what you had there were a bunch of firms like Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan that were playing both sides at the same time. And I don't, had issued these 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 bogus uh, financial instruments, these mortgage-backed securities, and had insurance through AIG at the same time. So when it collapsed, the bailout that was put through by Pelosi and Bush bailed out AIG, so AIG could then turn around and pay off Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan. And then, and also purchased a lot of other smaller banks. It was sort of a bank acquisition uh, uh, program, I guess. Exactly. So what you had there, though, is a bunch of banks in Europe, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, Societe Generale, were all caught up in this this massive, um, what would you call it, um, black swan event. So, so what does that have to do with Greece, had... exactly? Pardon? What does that have to do with Greece, exactly? Because the Greek banks <clears throat> were also purchasers of these mortgage-backed securities, and to a large extent, they they were purchased through the uh, British and French banks. So they were also caught in this what would you call it um, collapse? Ponzi so, scheme. Ponzi scheme, correct. Now, <clears throat> as the Obama administration took power. The Federal Reserve and the IMF basically became the same thing. Uh, anyone out there who believes there's a difference between the International Monetary Fund and the Federal Reserve of the United States is crazy. They're basically the same instrument. Now, the policy of the Obama administration was not to deal with the banks and remove the derivatives, as Paul Volcker wanted to do, but continue to buy them and roll them over. And the strain on not only U.S. banks, but on and, but the European banks, 
to continue to carry this debt at low rates, yields began to go up. Yields on the Portuguese debt, the Spanish debt, and the Greek debt is all tied to the mortgage-backed security collapse that took place in September of 2008. This was a worldwide financial crisis, if not catastrophe. But Tom, isn't it also true that the Greek government? I mean, they were they were borrowing above and beyond the I believe right. uh, they were about the three point five percent allowed under the Euro European rules. They were borrowing from German banks and so forth. Uh, again, li sort of living beyond their means. Well, the banks were not the people so much. The banks got greedy. You got to remember, I, I I'm a little bit familiar with the fine. I've been in the financial business for years. When you have people, unregulated instruments like mortgage-backed securities that can be traded as credit default swaps, it can be traded with no margin. They, they let these people trade this stuff basically at 100 to 1, and then it went to 200 to 1. Now I believe it's 500 to 1. And the Federal Reserve backs this stuff by printing money, but the Greek yields went to a point where they could, their, their, their debt was well, well beyond their GDP, the ratio between GDP, GDP and debt. And uh, so basically what happens, Richard, and Elsa knows this, is that these bailouts that take place are not a bailout so much of Greek banks as it is of Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan because they bought insurance policies and made bets on both sides of the market, one that the Greek, Greece would default and one on insurance policies issued to the European Union that they would pay off if Greece did default. So it's not so much the Greek people, it's the Greek politicians that are corrupt and greedy, just like most most of these governments across the world that we have now in Western Europe and here in North America. Although I have to say the Canadian government is probably less corrupt than the U.S. government or the European governments. Uh, obviously so, the U.S., and I, I hate to say it as an American, but we are the leader, a world leader in corruption uh, and, and criminality. And, and so your question... Are the Greek people to blame for this? No, it's the banks. And the French underwrote a lot of the Greek debt. So it was imperative that this bailout take place, this latest bailout, to protect the French banks, who were on the line if the Greek banks went under. So what you had here, I mean, I can tell you stories about Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan marketing this crap to Norway and Denmark and Iceland. Iceland finally just said, hell with it, excuse me. And just uh, let the banks collapse and and start fresh. Well, shouldn't so, Greece do the same thing? Should they just say we default and and then just start over? I would. I don't think the European Union is going to last long. My sources tell me the French are already printing French francs. Uh, the British, of course, do not. Their sterling is not tied to the euro currency, so to speak. Well, not at all. But their banks are at Barclays is way has a huge, huge problem with Spanish banks. So Barclays' problem <clears throat> with with the banks in Spain is almost as almost the same as the French problem with the banks in Greece. So, you know, simply <clears throat> you have really three countries supporting the European Union with the rest of them collapsing, but it's not surprising. <clears throat> that this gangster cabal of banks, scamsters here in the U.S. who basically have bought our Congress and the presidency would figure out how to take advantage of the collapse of the smaller European Union nations 
who were more susceptible because of lack of a collateral basis in their banks to being torpedoed. All right, Tom, uh, stay put. We'll uh, take a time out, come back. Nelson Thal, media scientist, you do the same. We'll come back. We'll find out who's next as these uh, dominoes begin to fall. Tom Hennigan is uh, with us, international intelligence expert. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. International intelligence expert Tom Hennigan is here. Uh, Tom, uh, tell the folks how they can uh, uh, read your, your latest intelligence dispatches. Right now my site has been hacked. <clears throat> We've had a very, um, the last week or so, given the <clears throat> situation with Murdoch and Fox News, it's also happening here. But normally you can get me at http going forward slash forward slash blog dot myspace dot com forward slash Tom <clears throat> forward slash Hennigan dot com. But right now, as I said, it's uh, being hacked. So, um, it's not available. We're trying to get it back up. We'll try to do it as quickly as we can. Um, they got hacked last week when the, um, we did a story on Shraz Khan and the honey flip at the hotel in New York about the blackmail that was taking place between the IMF and the Federal Reserve. They are blackmailing each other, even though they do work together, over the Federal Reserve purchase of euro currency. And, and using the spread between the bid and the ask, uh, which gave the opportunity for both the um, players inside Europe and the U.S. to come out with trillions of dollars, of, billions of dollars of profits. Example, um, if you're going to buy a contract in the world currency market, uh, there's a bid of, let's say, an option, which is a derivative of 15 and an ask of 18. Well, <clears throat> um, if you're a normal customer and you go to buy it, they're going to fill you at 18 while the bank is able to get in at 15 and then sell it at 16 and you take advantage of the spread. It's called... Okay, it's, uh, I mean, this is all very important, I, I know, and but it is very technical. Let me try to bring it down to a sort of more eye level and, and, and go back to the example in Greece. What are the people of Greece to do? What can they expect to happen, let's say, over the next six months? I mean, if, if for example, uh, they've got, uh, you know, their, their euros uh, in a bank in Cyprus or in, in, um, in Kalamata or wherever, should they be worried about it? What do they do? Well, if I was in Greece, I would get my money out of the bank now because the banks are broke. Uh, they're full of derivatives. Uh, you know, the European Union even threatened not to give them this subsidy because they refused the bailout. 
basically they refuse to continue to participate in the Ponzi scheme. I can't say how one can <clears throat> predict even day-to-day in this stuff, because I've seen it for you. These people operate day-to-day, Richard. They don't want to know what to do. They, they know what they're going to do tonight to try to survive. And they'll turn around tomorrow and try to predict how to survive. They just keep moving money back and forth between each other. So at every hour of the day, 24 hours around the clock, one bank is broke and the other bank is full of cash. The next day they, they switch the money around again. Uh, I, I, Nelson's laughing, but he knows what I'm talking about. And, you know, I, I can't say what to do. I mean, I myself have recommended that people buy a lot of silver and gold now because that's a way to protect yourself against this papier-mâché currency machine. Uh, I think Swedish kroner is sound currency. I think Danish kroner is sound currency. I think I would buy that if I could. I myself have bought a lot of Canadian dollars, being down here in the U.S. Uh, that's somewhat safe compared to the U.S. dollar, although I do hear the Royal Bank of Canada in Toronto has been a clearinghouse now for this Ponzi scheme, too, and uh, the Canadian press hasn't reported it yet. So who knows what's in the Royal Bank of Canada. Um, but it's hard to say where to go to protect yourself in this stuff. Uh, it really is. I mean, um, we people laugh. Um, years ago, people would laugh at me and say, well, you can't do this, this, and this. This is two, two or three years ago. I can't believe this is happening. This, this could ever happen. You're crazy, Tom. You're a conspiracy theorist. Now I'm a well-trained intelligence agent. Uh, intelligence. Uh, I've, I've, I've studied the intelligence agencies. Uh, I'm a. Um, I have a background in economics, finance, and history, and uh, uh, I'm not a genius, but I. <laughs> and I had a, a tremendous uh, friendship over the years with, um, as Nelson knows, with Sherman Skolnick, who, who really educated me to a large degree about the use of the, uh, the, the blackmail <clears throat> and extortion <clears throat> uh, that takes place at the highest levels of these alleged governments. Let so, me ask you about um, who, who's next in Europe. Is it, is it Spain? Is it Italy? Who's, Italy, who's, Italy which, which country is next? Italy has basically been looted uh, to a large extent by the Vatican Bank. <clears throat> and by the Bank of uh, Lazumi in Israel, and guess what? The Bank of Libya, which um, was also bailed out during the um, bailout in 08. Uh, The Bank of Libya is basically controlled by Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, who had a tremendous derivative exposure vis-a-vis the Saudi royal family and Citibank. Now, is, is, is the end game here to dismantle the European Union? Is that the idea? I think it's, at this point, I would think that um, they don't really know if that's a, if that's a way out. Uh, there's been talk, as you know, <clears throat> on these financial shows, <clears throat> if you follow them, here in North America. Well, maybe they want Greece to default. That's okay. Well, if Greece defaults, the large banks in the United States are not obligated to pay insurance to the European Union because they're not a member anymore. At the same time, uh, banks in excuse me, uh, banks in France and Great Britain would probably collapse. Uh, so, right now, I would say, 
Um, it's more to the advantage of, let's say, some elements of the United States for the European Union to collapse. But you remember one thing. That would also collapse Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, though I, I, I have heard, I know this sounds outlandish, uh, that J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs have actually bought derivative positions which would actually financially somehow um, protect them, a.k.a. their own collapse. And, of course, that's, that's the ultimate Ponzi scheme, is that you pretend you're broke when you're not. So um, it, I, I can give everyone here tonight an outline of what's going on. I would say that if you're looking for the, uh, you know, these the, the secret societies that uh, Nelson and I have talked about for years that run, this, that run the world, the Bilderbergs, the Wallenbergs, uh, the people of that nature, they're not as smart as you might think. And I was told by a high-level uh, French intelligence officer about three weeks ago, he said, they have been warned, <clears throat> too, <clears throat> by some people, some higher-ups, that this is beyond reason now, that you people screwed everything up. But, hey, you know, <clears throat> well, what are they, you know, they're there meeting <clears throat> at their Bilderberg conference, trying to figure out a way of a, out of a financial box, a catastrophe, that they don't fully understand either. All they understood is utilizing these banks for years to loot and steal and create wealth for themselves. That is why 9-11 was such an important... So, so Tom, these... Here. Okay. So I wanted Go to ask ahead. you about the the uh, the ripple effect. I mean, it's not it's not a ripple, obviously. These are waves. But how soon uh, before this uh, economic tsunami then uh, comes ashore uh, in, in North America? And how bad do you think it's going to get? I think we're um, we're sitting now in um, the end of July. We're almost August is a very crucial month. It has historically been the month of major events, including World War One. World War Two started at the end of August, September 1st. Uh, I know now that we don't have any more QE2, but here's what they've been doing, and I'm trying to simplify this for people because I know the financial stuff gets a little complicated. You have a yield curve. Euro dollars represent short-term rates versus long-term rates, excuse me, short-term rates themselves. They've been keeping interest rates at zero here in the United States while rates have been going up everywhere else because here we have the, all the derivatives connected to everybody else. So we have to keep buying those derivatives back, buying that debt back at zero. Even though the derivatives are worthless, they pretend they're worth something, a lot more. They pretend they're worth the, worth the amount the day they, they bought them, which is absurd. Now, what they've been doing since QE2 ended, and this kind of coincided with the Euro bailout of Greece, is they've been what we call back-ending the yield curve. They have been buying Euro dollars and, and, and basically bringing rates down to zero, if not negative, in, in futures contracts that trade out to 2012. 
Now, what that does is that, that widens the curve between the long-term and short-term rates worldwide. And what will happen eventually, okay, there will become a point where if the yields start unwinding in Europe again, the U.S. yield curve will collapse. And when the U.S. yield curve co- collapses, that's what's called a liquidity crisis. No cash, no nothing to buy anything, similar to 08. And I promise you, this next collapse will make the 08 collapse look like a, um, well, it'll make it look like a walk in the park. Uh, this is going to be an enormous meltdown. And I don't want to scare people out here, but you ask me a question, I have to answer it. And that's where we're at. And I, obviously, uh, if you live in the United States, as I do, I've already prepared myself for this. I do not keep money in U.S. banks. Um, if you're in Canada, be very careful, too, because there will be a ripple effect. And, again, <clears throat> uh, Nelson knows a little bit about the Bank in Toronto, the World Bank of Canada, and the use of it to basically uh, finance Ponzi scheme operations in Europe mainly the queen. So there are times at night where you're, if you have a bank account at the Royal Bank of Canada, let's say you're, you live in Toronto, uh, your money's not there at night, but it'll be back there in the morning. Uh, so that is simply what's going on here. It's not that difficult to understand. They're Who handles the queen's trying money? trying to buy back up to $90 trillion of derivatives tied just to J.P. Morgan and continue to mark them up on a nightly basis to prevent the world banking system from just completely melting down. And in order to do that, they have to continue to print money. When QE2 ended here in the United States, they could no longer print money on the front end of the yield curve. You have to explain so that. What is QE2? doing it on the back end, and they're disguising it. Tom, can you explain it? what QE2 is? Hello. Yes, Tom, are you there? Can you can, can you explain what QE2 is? QE2 is basically a program, a bond purchasing program, which was designed to create liquidity in the system. Um, that was enacted by Federal Reserve, the current U.S. Federal Reserve Chairman Bernard Bernanke. Um, it was basically designed to continue to buy back these, these, these toxic assets, these worthless derivatives they say that are worth something. Remember, we had QE1. Then we had QE2. But QE2 didn't work. It didn't help put anybody back to work here in America at all. Unemployment is 9.3. If the truth is, it's 13% or more. All it did was create big inflationary moves in gold and silver and crude oil and and, and, they, and, and a, a false illusion that there was, there was some type of uh, hope. If you recall, um, the price of silver traded at $49 an ounce just two and a half months ago, or less than that, about, about a month and a half ago. That was a record price we hadn't seen since 1979, 1980. Uh, gold over $1,500. Uh, crude oil price was $1.20. Remember, um, and Tom, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, there's a number of people who, uh, economists who are saying that 
what's the way out of this, Tom? Our problem ended. Our problems began when we started uh, moved away from with the Bretton Woods and the and the uh, trading currencies. Would it be good to go back to a fixed system as uh, the you know a fixed rate system? Uh, in my, now I know this guy Lyndon Orush has been promoting that. Um, Brennan Woods, of course, made the U.S. dollar the key, you know, the, 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 the currency that would be used to peg every other currency in the world. That was after World War II uh, when the United States and the then Soviet Union uh, were the, became superpowers. A lot of it had to do with the atomic bomb, of course. Um, if you fix rates at this point, you would stop uh, speculation on these currencies. Uh, it would be a at least a temporary, a temporary solution to the problem, uh, because you could at least sort out the derivatives. Now you have to have government and politicians that would be able to stand up and do that. Are, are we are seeing blocked. here? Is it possible that as we watch these nation states get attacked, that since the nation state and nationalism took away power from the monarchs and the monarchies of Europe? Is it possible that as the monarchies of Europe start to rise, that they start to take out the nation states again? So that's why we're watching Greece fall and Italy fall and Spain fall. Mm -hmm. There are monarchies of Europe, the crowned heads of Europe are taking out the nation states now because they've been a pain in their backside for 500 years. Uh, to some extent, you're right, Nelson. Although I will say this, the, the, you know, the Masons, especially in France, who uh, created the French Revolution to get rid of the monarchy, and even the Masons here in the U.S. Um, wanted the monarchies out of the way so they themselves could prosper financially and create an alleged middle class. Well, the current Masonry movement has almost become a monarchy to themselves, and now are back in debt with the monarchies. Um, you got the British Queen, you got the Swedish Queen, you got the Dutch Queen. I mean, the Queen of Holland is a worldwide, in my opinion, financial terrorist. Um, and I would agree, that's, that is happening now, because, you see, if they can destroy what's left of the middle class, uh, the monarchies will then be in position uh, to dictate and to oversee a new, what would you call it, uh, system of government. And it will be based on martial law. It will be based on fear of terrorists. And I believe there's already a worldwide corporation that has been developed to oversee this and impose it. And that means the use of what... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Tom, I, we're almost out of time here, but I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, what's, is there a way out of this? I mean, uh, short of the U.S. government trying to paper over this problem once again to forestall the inevitable, is there a, a solution? Uh, Tom, hasn't the mankind's solution usually when in this situation is they go to war? I think a world war would be their way out. It would really save them. But, of course, how to fight a war? You can't fight World War One and World War Two with nuclear weapons, can't you? Or World War Three with. You can't have a World War Three like World War One and World War Two simply because you have nuclear weapons now. That is why they have this war on terror. It's not working, though. People don't believe it. I mean, they don't, people down here don't believe that Osama bin Laden, Tim Osman, the Iran-Contra paymaster and the, for Bush and... <laughs> And Clinton in the 1980s was, was really behind 9-11. Now they captured him and threw him in the ocean. 
I mean, uh, that was their solution, this war on terror, um, where we're being threatened by terrorists all the time. Uh, that's, uh, people are tired. I mean, uh, that, 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 I, I believe they will come up with a new method, though. That's not, uh, I, I'm sure they're thinking how they can scare. That's the key. Scare and destabilize not only American people, but the people of the world. And, you know, you, you just have to think what kind of, uh, cocky, uh, crazy, uh, event they're planning. Let me ask you this now. So what kind of event do you think they're planning? Because you're pretty good. Well, I think they've been event. planning the UFO stuff to, 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 to an evil alien and force from outside the or off planet is the way to scare people next. That'll be the war of the world, Zala. That's, that's Orwell. Uh, Orson Welles. Pick, pick that. I think that's where it'll be. All right. Listen, gentlemen, um, I don't know. I don't know if you can hear me. I think our our link is getting a little, uh, a little tenuous here, but um, I'm going to have to to move on and stop it there. But Tom Hannigan, uh, appreciate your time. And uh, I'm sure that we can reconnect in the near future and uh, watch these events as they unfold. And uh, we'll get you back on uh, to discuss if you're good for that. God bless okay. you, Richard. Thank you very much for inviting me. I hope I, uh, I hope I was able to bring forth a little bit of, uh, you know, clarification and uh, a better view of what's going on. And Nelson, you're my, you're my, you're my good buddy. Uh, God bless you, and uh, we'll be, t- I'll be talking to you next couple of days, and uh, have a have a great week. Okay. Thanks, and we'll continue to weather the propaganda storms with counter propaganda science up here. You got it. All right. I'll Thanks, walk. Richard. Bye bye. Thanks, Richard. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.